You're listening to the Umetric Talk Show, now available on the Umoja app. Um, I'm your host, Imran Daramsi, and on this weekly talk show, we invite professionals and teenagers to take us through their journeys and give us advice. Um, and remember, like normal, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the live comments and we'll get to them during the show. Um, but before we start, we wanted to mention a bit about our Inspire platform. It is a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. Um, so as a rising professional, you can ask for great advice from other professionals. And uh, as a mentor, you can give advice to our community's future professionals as well as students. And again, that is available on the Umoja app on Android and iOS. And one other message from Umoja Outreach Foundation. Um, we just announced that we will be having a special edition of Umoja Games this year on July 31st uh, and August 1st in Richmond, Virginia. We have dearly missed the Umoja family and are looking forward to bringing everyone back together safely and making more wonderful memories. Um, and Ramadan Karim uh, from the Umoja Outreach Foundation. Uh, so today is the first show in our um, Ramadan special, uh, which is focused on community outreach, action, and community service. Um, so today's speaker is Sister Fatima Hussein. She is a third-year psychology student at the University of Central Florida. Um, she also studied political science in the UK. Um, Fatima is involved in suicide prevention research and also volunteers for the Crisis Text Line, as well as the Mental Health Association of Central Florida. Um, and she's also a virtual assistant to a Muslim psychologist. Um, in the future, Fatima is hoping to earn a PhD in clinical psychology. So let's welcome Sister Fatima. Assalamualaikum. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Assalamualaikum. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited for the show. I think it'll be um, a great show. So I guess if we can um, just start off, if you could um, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Fatima. I'm a third year psychology student at UCF with a minor in political science. I um, completed most of my minor studying abroad in the UK. Um, one of my main passions in life is helping people and uh, to do that, I volunteer for many organizations such as the Alzheimer's Association and NCAN, which is the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect. But for today's show, I'm going to mainly be talking about things related to mental health. So I volunteer for two mental health organizations, Crisis Text Line and the Mental Health Association mm -hmm. of Central Florida. Um, okay, so before we um, get into mental health specifically, I know you were telling me that um, and forgive me if I misunderstood this, but that you originally went into UCF as in the VSMD program. Uh, is that right? And also, how did you then decide uh, to get into psychology? Uh, yeah, that is true. Um, okay. So I first started becoming interested in psychology in high school when I took AP psychology. Shout out to Mr. Puste, who was an amazing teacher and really made me interested in it. Um, and at the time, I had wanted to be a doctor for most of my life. I was really encouraged to do that by my family and everyone around mm -hmm. me. So um, right. I was just like, oh, this is an interesting topic, but I didn't really consider a career in it. Um, and then I got into the BSMD program at UCF. So I went there and my first year was really difficult. Um, the, mm -hmm. Like one of the classes are difficult. But other than that, I was, had my own personal mental health struggles. And as a result, mm -hmm. the classes are more difficult. And um, due to that, I was considering other career options. Um, and 
I considered psychology and social work because of the response I had gotten when I had my mental health issues from the people around me. And I just realized how much there is a stigma and there's a lack of awareness in the topic. And so um, that's how I decided I wanted to be a psychiatrist, but I still wanted to go to med school. So I was still pre-med up until very recently. Uh And then I went to the, yeah, but while I was pre-med, I started volunteering for a suicide prevention research lab, which is amazing. They do wonderful work and crisis text line, which is like a um, suicide or mental health hotline. And even as a pre-med student, I was interested in this mental health area, so I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And then I went to the UK, and something happened that really changed my outlook on the mental health field. Um, while I was there, one of my friends was very suicidal, and we ended up having to call the police for him. And mm-hmm. um, that really gets into more of the political science area, which I'll talk about later, but um, right, right. That, um, that really showed me that like I, wanted to be able to talk to these people who are in like really bad mental health situations and um that's actually what got me started with crisis text line but i still pre-med and then um i really after that situation in the uk and i started the crisis text line and through crisis text line i learned that i really liked talking to these people and it was Mm -hmm. something i was good at but um that's when I decided to switch to psychology. I got a lot of backlash okay. for it. To this day, people still tell me I should do medicine instead. Uh-huh. But it's something I'm very passionate about, and I think it's something that I'll be good at. Inshallah, yeah, definitely. I mean, with all the things you're involved in, I'm sure. Um, I think it's just so interesting how you took things that happened in your life and weaved them into what you were studying and um that's a really good way to, I guess, ensure that you're going to be doing something gratifying. So yeah, um, I think next, if we want to go into um, a bit about the need in our community for more focus on mental health issues. Um, so I wanted to thank you for sharing some of these statistics with me. Um, and I'm not going to read all of them, but they are on the screen. So you can go back and look at them if you if you are interested for the viewers. Um, but I'll read some of them. Um, and this is these statistics. The first few are specific to the U.S. So uh, depression is the leading cause of ability worldwide and is a major contributor to the global burden of disease. And so that's like a worldwide thing. Um, and on the bottom right, uh, 90% of those who die by suicide have an underlying mental illness. Um, and it is actually the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Um, and then these um, statistics are even more surprising, um, or perhaps not surprising, but they show how dire the situation is, which is nearly um, 60% of adults with a mental illness receive mental services in the previous year. So that is just, I mean, that's honestly unacceptable. Um, and then these are some statistics on mental health in the Muslim community. Um, so if you if you look, this is actually um, Muslim Americans who were seeking out treatment. Um, and it, it says that 43% of them um, were, their diagnosis was adjustment. So perhaps if you want to maybe talk about, a little bit about that. And, and also um, um, among the U.S. born Muslims who are seeking treatment, um, 61% said that they experienced at least one of the incidents below, which is someone acted suspicious around them or they were called offensive names because they are Muslim. So I guess taking all of that 
into account. I know that was a lot, but if you could just talk a little bit about um, what those statistics show and why we really need to focus more on mental health issues in our community. Yeah, so um, I think from that chart, adjustment disorder, depression, anxiety were like mm -hmm. the main diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and adjustment disorder is something that's really um, an unproportional response to a stressful event, something that becomes unhealthy. And for some of these people, these stressful events can be acts of discrimination or things they've experienced in their um, homes because a lot of people are immigrants. Um, so that's like a special area where Muslim Americans um, have a need because they face this discrimination. They have these backgrounds of trauma. And then right. aside from that, just with the general depression and anxiety, um, many people suffer from these illnesses and seeking help for them is something that should be encouraged. So um, speaking of seeking help, what are some of the misconceptions um, that we have surrounding mental health in our communities and um, what can be done to address them? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of misconceptions about mental health and mental illness mm -hmm. in generally society, but specific to Muslims. Yeah. I've, um, I've been doing research okay. for my thesis, which is about um, mental health attitudes and knowledge in the Shia Muslim community. So looking at existing research, which is mostly based on Sunnis, it's been found that um, many of these Muslims believe that serious psychological illnesses are the result of not having enough faith in God or possession by a jinn or the evil eye. And while some of these beliefs might be true, like jinns do exist and it's in the Quran and all of that, mm -hmm. but yeah. Um, believing that that's the sole cause of these illnesses and only dua will make them go away prevents people from seeking the appropriate treatment. And I think some people say that like if they if they turn to the appropriate treatment, that would be like renouncing the power of dua, for example. What would you say to that? I would say that um, it's important in Islam to take your own action and turn to God as well. So there's been so much research showing that there's genetic causes, physical causes, environmental causes, it's all these mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. And to treat them, you have to take the same approach, like take a biological approach. And um, as this quote says, those with mental illnesses should not be judged as having weak faith or a poor relation with God Rather, we need to extrapolate using examples from the Quran and the life of Prophet Muhammad that focus on self-care, the reward of mending broken hearts and bringing healing to injured souls. So this is really showing that um, mental illness is not something that's caused by having bad faith. And it's also not something that can purely be healed through faith. And there's a lot of stigma in our community related to mental illness because of these reasons, because people don't understand the causes behind it. And they there's just a lack of awareness about mental illness and mm -hmm. mental health in general. And so you get it, like people where like, I have a friend from UCF, she's Muslim, she was recently diagnosed okay. with bipolar disorder. And mm -hmm. um, she has been very hesitant to talk to her family about it because she thinks that they would just tell her to pray. 
and they would invalidate her diagnosis and say that there's something wrong with her. She just needs to pray more, needs to read more Quran. And that's just not great for someone who's trying to seek treatment because the support system around you is so important when you're dealing with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so I think that's a really good point. Now, what are um, some of the things that are actually being done? And I know you have uh, one of the programs that you are involved in uh, to, I guess, break down uh, the misconceptions in our community. Yeah, so um, there are Muslim therapists out there who are doing educational uh, trainings and things. Uh, I'm actually a virtual assistant to one of them, and she does talks, and uh -huh. I've been helping her brainstorm ideas for talks. She's in Canada. Great lady. Um, and other than that, in my own personal work, through my research lab, we have been hosting suicide prevention trainings for the Muslim community. We, we had one in April. There's another one coming up May 1st. Um, yeah, that's the flyer for it. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or just want to talk about it. It's open to any of the any religious leaders in America and um, anyone in the general Muslim community in Florida. If you're not in Florida, reach out to me. We may be able to arrange for another training. Okay, and people can reach out to you with your phone number, and is it also okay with your Instagram, which is a ticker? Um, either one. I will reply pretty okay. quick. All right. Okay. Um, so if we want to um, maybe quickly turn back to um, your experience specifically, um, I know you said um, you're doing a lot of research surrounding like uh, mental health um, in the Muslim community. And you're also, I think you said, do, uh, planning to do a thesis, um, a senior thesis on that. So what is maybe the most eye-opening or surprising thing you've learned so far related to that specifically? Yeah, so I've been doing a literature review looking at all the existing research. And something I found is that people believe that mental illness is a disease and they believe that it does have biological causes, but they don't want to get the treatment for it. Oh, and, that's interesting. So, yeah. Sorry. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I was going to say um, that could be for many reasons. There's stigma, there's lack of awareness, there's lack of education on the topic. People are just scared of being mistreated by therapists because they don't understand their culture. They're scared of medications mm. and side effects. They just don't understand. There is an open discussion about any of this in our community. It's If someone has a mental illness, it's very hush-hush. Even in my own experience, very mm. few people actually know about my health, mental health struggles. All right. Um yeah, and hopefully, like, uh, you can be part of changing that, inshallah. Um, what is your favorite thing that you've been involved in? I know you said um, you studied abroad uh, in the UK, so um, that sounds really interesting. But what is the favorite thing in your college experience that you have been involved in? Um, that's a really hard question. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, like, favorite I... things. It could be multiple. I would say studying abroad was an amazing experience because I got to travel okay. a lot because of that. I got to meet people from all around the world. And other than that, just the research I'm involved in and the volunteering I'm involved in has introduced me to some amazing people. 
And I really appreciate that. And I feel like I am making a difference through some of the volunteering I'm doing and the trainings mm-hmm. that we hold through our research lab. So really, I've just loved my college experience and everything about right. it. Right. That's great. Um, so I think perhaps if we could go into more detail on your work, some of your volunteer work, um, could you talk about some things that you've learned through that? I know you said you volunteer with um, Crisis Text Line and also the Mental Health Association of Central Florida. So could you say maybe what you do um, with the volunteering, um, what you've learned for that? And would you recommend that other people also look into volunteering if, if um, mental health is, is possibly a field that they're interested in? Yeah, so the Mental Health Association of Central Florida has multiple volunteering roles, but I am a guardian advocate. So my job is basically to um, make medical decisions on behalf of patients that are deemed incapable of doing it due to their mental illness. Um, I have to go to court hearings and there's lawyers and the whole shebang because there's a lot of laws around it, which goes back to the political science aspect. Um, and so I get assigned patients that have these severe mental illnesses that require them to be involuntarily hospitalized because they've been deemed a threat to themselves or others. And they can't take care of themselves and they can't make their own decisions. So I have to give consent for their medical treatment and psychiatric treatment. And then the other organization, the main mental health one that I volunteer for is Crisis Text Line, which I mentioned earlier is uh-huh. a suicide or um, and mental health crisis hotline. It's it's by text. So you just mm-hmm. text the number and you can talk about whatever's going on in your life. And there's trained crisis counselors who um, have gotten extensive training. I myself have talked to uh, over 200 people. And it's really rewarding. It's really interesting um, to hear people's stories and to help them deal with whatever's going on in their lives. Thank you for sharing um, more about that. So I wanted to um, loop back to when you were talking about um, the suicide prevention training that you're hosting. Um, Could you talk about why you think it's important to specifically involve religious leaders? Because I know you said that's that's who it's mostly geared towards. So um, why 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 is that important? Like, why is that something that you are focusing on? So we are focusing on religious leaders because it's been found that um, many Muslims will go to their religious leaders before they go to a mental health professional, which Mm -hmm. is, it's not a bad thing. Religious leaders are very knowledgeable and very skilled, but training them in specifically mental health related topics will help them help us because that's something that um, it can be very detrimental to someone if they go to a religious scholar and they are dismissed or told to, um, only do religious things in order to help them. Okay. So, like, what what would be, I guess, the um, right course of action for a, a religious leader to take if someone approaches them with a mental health concern, according to you know what you what you um, provide in the trainings? Yeah. So our training is specifically for suicide prevention. So okay. it teaches the um, scholars how to recognize warning signs and risk factors of suicide to look specifically if this person is at risk and um, give them mm-hmm. resources to direct them to. And the training also teaches 
um, the attendees just about general skills and dealing with mental health problems, like listening to the person. That's one of the main things that even as a crisis counselor on the text line, one of the main things we've been taught is listening to the person will help them feel so much better. Hmm. And so for the religious scholars, um, I guess it's important for them to be able to recognize when someone is at high risk and take appropriate action. And then also for them to recognize that this might be more than just a bad day so they can refer them to mental health professionals. So I think that's really great that you're, I guess, trying to help people build up the toolkit to, to tackle those issues. Um, and I know we were also talking about how it's it's a shame that there's not a lot of research on mental health in the Shia community. I mean, also relating to that quote that we were talking about before, we have so many examples of how to go through adversity from um, like our Ahlul Bayt, like our Imams, as well as um, Prophet Muhammad. So could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Like why it's important um, for people who are Shias to go into this field? Um, yeah. Yeah, so definitely. The, because we are the minority, there is mm-hmm. very limited to no research on Shia Muslims in America. Um, there are some research in Iran, right. but that's mm-hmm. a very different environment. And so we do have differing beliefs and as a minority within a minority, we face even more challenges. It's really important for Shia Muslims specifically to go into the field and to help the community around them because people like to talk to others they can relate to. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel understood. And there's always the, the question of, um, will this person understand my culture? Right. My right. background, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, what would be some advice you would give to perhaps high school students who are looking, like thinking about pursuing psychology, but are not completely sure? What do you think they should, maybe like classes they should take, activities they should do? How might they decide? Yeah, so um, taking AP psychology is definitely a good start. Um, learning about just psychology and mental illness in general is great but um, you can learn all that part at school I think the most important thing is realizing whether or not you're passionate about it and if you can take the emotional Mm -hmm. toll because hearing about people's problems can take an emotional toll on you so you have to build that resilience and you have to realize whether you are able to and in the correct position to be dealing with other people's problems. But I definitely wouldn't discourage anyone from doing it. It's a Mm -hmm. much needed field. Definitely, yeah. It's very underserved. So maybe going back to yourself, um, what are your future plans with this field? What what is your ultimate goal? I know you're, you're doing so much work right now but what, is, what are the things that in the future you really want to hone, hone your focus on? Yeah, so um, I want to get a PhD in clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. I haven't decided exactly which set of people I want to work with, but um, I want to work with people with mental illnesses and I want to do research, uh, maybe specifically in our community. 
um, like my thesis because it's something that isn't studied and um, it definitely needs to be. Um, and other than that, I want to help raise awareness um, and reduce the stigma related to mental mm -hmm. illness and mental health because you don't have to have a mental illness to, to seek mental health counseling or therapy. Uh, I think that's a big misconception that you have to be severely ill in order to go to therapy. But it can help so many people with day-to-day -day issues. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I would definitely want to promote within our community and just people in general. Okay. Um, so I think that's a really good transition point to the next few slides here, which is um, we we were just discussing, like going back and forth about some resources that people can can um, seek out that are, um, some of them are free and low cost, some are co culturally competent. So perhaps if we want to um, go through that, if we want to, if you want to um, maybe take us through that. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, the National Alliance on Mental Illness is a great resource through them you can find mm -hmm. local counseling centers and things like that there's also open counseling there are wives um open path psychotherapy collective and if you're in central florida there's the outlook clinic these are just a few of the resources out there there's mm -hmm. it's really just a matter of looking and it's understandable that it's difficult and part of like I'm trying to help that by compiling a database of Muslim therapists with the oh, wow. psychologist I'm a virtual assistant for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's so, great. Mm -hmm. uh, that stuff is something I can share with you guys once it's done. So, and then this is, I think, another another few resources you shared with me, if you want to just talk about them a little bit. Yes. So there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline which um, that's over the phone. So you would be calling and there's crisis text line mm -hmm. where you're texting. And then there's the Nasia mental health hotline, which is culturally competent. So they're trained in multicultural affairs. And then- Okay. And crisis text line is what you, you volunteer for, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, okay. And I think this this is another picture that you had shared with me. It's it's so what is this? If you could go over this with us. Yeah, so there are various um hotlines for different issues, such as uh this picture includes suicide prevention, eating disorders, drug abuse, grief or loss, dating abuse and domestic violence, sexual assault, general crises, family violence, and a service that sends you weekly happy reminders. So these are just some of the um, hotlines you can call. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, so I think that's all the resources we have. Um, but so we are almost out of time, unfortunately. Uh, but what is your final piece of advice for our audience? Um, if if you wanted them to take away one thing from this show, what would it be? Uh, before I get to that, one more thing I wanted to mention. Oh, sure. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, other than those resources, there's also mm -hmm. 911, the police. So um, that's something that I'm interested in as someone who's also into political science, the intersection okay. between political science and mental health. And so 
Uh, there's a lot of issues related to, um, well, one legislation regarding mental health patients and how to treat them and involuntarily hospitalizing them. And then the other aspect that has been brought to light recently with all of the um, occurrences of police brutality is mm -hmm. the police system where police officers are called for mental health crises very often. And sometimes these can end in people being injured or killed when they were only called because of a mental health emergency. So I think that's really important to mention that there needs to be reform in that area. But um, that's definitely yeah, another resource. Really important point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think your question was um, something to leave people with. Yes. So like a final piece of advice um, for people to take away after listening to this show. I would say um, whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your life, don't hesitate to seek mental health counseling or treatment, whether it's therapy or medication. Don't be scared. There's so many options. There's so many evidence-backed um, treatments and therapies. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's so much support out there, too. You just have to look for it. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, and I, I wanted to quickly, just before we end, share a few <laughs> audience comments, a few from uh, Nafis Hussein, um, who says, great discussion, many stigmas around mental health in the Muslim community. We need our youth to bring education and awareness. And then one from... Uh, Rose and T. Gordon. I've used the crisis text line. They're very understanding and helpful and uh, they're confidential and free also. Um, so yes, also if you if you have any questions during any future shows, you can you can put them in the um, in the live comments. Oh, and and this one <laughs> that just came in. Um, great job. This was very informative from Jessica G. Okay, so thank you very much, um, Fatima, for coming on. Um, it was really great um, and all the resources that you shared with us as well. Um, um, and yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And just to anyone who's watching or will watch, feel free to reach out to me with anything. I'm happy to talk to Great. anyone. Great. And also for um, podcast listeners, um, our speaker's Instagram account is at Fatima Zehra Hussein. That is Z-E-H-R-A-H-U-S-S-A-I-N. So that is one way that you can, that you can reach out. Um, all right. Um, thank you for tuning in to the You Mentor Talk show. Um, tune into this show next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. for another episode of our Ramadan series of shows. And remember, you can always catch our previous episodes um, as well as this one in a few minutes on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Umoja Outreach Foundation uniting and empowering the Shia community.